Hello, welcome to Augusta Only Podcast on this Saturday. Let's start with the recap, then on with the news story. So let's start with Dynamite Recap. We'll start with John Moxley Hangman Page Explosive Start. The former AEW World Champion Moxley kicked off the show by touting his status as the top of the food chain of the company and claimed no man had courage to confront him. This brought out Hangman Adam Page for the first time since suffering a serious concussion this match with Mox on October 18th. The two wasted little time games of physical encounter that was broken up by security and referees. The Red Heart started the show, drew a chance to let them fight, signing the deceptive angles, something fans want to see. Paige and Moxley are bona fide main event talent in AEW, and the fans believe in them. To me, the, the intensity of physicality worked and resulted in an, open, in an actual open segment that set up a match with a verant build and desire to part of the audience to see it play out. So this is a good start. So, let's get to it. Alright, the next one. Brian Dennison versus Dax Howard. Two of the most celebrated anime performers of 2022. Battle of Night's first match is Danielson square off with Hardwood. FTR men control throughout the control commercial, commercial break. But the late reversal of bodyweight battle Danielson just slows opponent momentum and mounts a comeback. The American Dragon uncorked his trademark kicks, but the Hardwood counter Lager Bomb but two. Series of pinfalls reverses gave way to Danielson applying the LaBelle lock, forced to tap out, but not without his chest bearing redness and most of the 10th physical encounter. There was a considerable amount of excitement across the internet moment when the match was announced this would not disappoint, which is a match near candidate, but no, but it didn't have to be. It was still a hard-hitting affair with some great technical wrestling. Even bad timing and the finish that put Danielson over, but didn't damage Hardwood's credibility. The post-match embraced Ryan's Brace mind defense that both men are baby faces, willing to remain that way. More importantly, it was a show of respect to two great professional wrestlers that helped carry the promotion in 2022. Mm-hmm. Now we go to the TNT Championship Samoa Joe versus AR Fox. For the first time since winning it, and Fulgia Samoa defended the TNT Championship in the new AEW signing AR Fox in a one on one action. The Samoa Submission Machine dominated the action. Performing throughout the commercial, establishing dominance that Fox struggled to counteract. He did, though, downing Joe with a cutter and, and a picture perfect 450 splash for a near fall. The champ recovered, delivered a muscle buster pin, Fox to retain. Post match prong was interrupted by Warlow, who suggested his feud with Joe was not over. This was fine for what it liked, but it was likely to be overrated by AEW fans. Joe slow, methodical. Fox was flashy again, broke out a beautiful finish for no avail. The focus was clear on stashing the champion and then highlighting him ahead of the ROA final battle on summer 10th. He will soon battle Warlow for the TNT title. Wins it is only one guess, but common sense can say who can't keep Warlow at the same time as one of the few faces that Ring of Honor. It will be determined until the brand to weaken one of the stars. The NJF promo. Let's go to that. One week after being ordered out of AW Mosley, Regal made his way to the ring to a chorus of booth for introducing a new world chant to the fans. Angela cut another still opponent and introduced his reign of terror at T's Danielson, a top contender. The champion reminded the fans of Benny Ward 2024 and the promise to hold the talent until then, Tom making the reigns out top. No one's looking short in comparison. Then, in the knocking moment, he flattened Regal with his diamond ring. The commentary team sold the gravity of the moment, and Danielson rushed to the ring to check on his mentor. And that was a brass rock knuckles, not the ring. He doesn't have the ring. 
The suburb voice looks celebrated as Charlie Chevron and her concern on the face of those involved in Amulet's angle really put over NJF for being vile villain. He is targeted, getting a legendary figure with well-known health issues. Dancer kicked the life out of Jan. It's going to be a ton of fun. Would like me to match of the year candidate that American Jan lacked this year and a foundational moment for his heel reign. This is a greatness surprise one who it takes to get an angle on the magnitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we got Ricky Starks versus Ari Davari. Prior to Ricky Starks battling Ari Davari, the first Ethan Page vowed to enter the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal and win it with nothing since the Matt Hardy. Then call his shot at winter coming on December 14th. Starks responds to all Eagles threats by making short work of Devar and Squash, sparing him and, and delivering a run Shambeau for the pinfall victory. This is a little more an excuse to highlight the Bayface fans that issues between absolute and all Eagle are far from finish. So there's nothing wrong with that. And anything Tony Khan proving probably deserve props for finding a book in the undercard program to make use of a criminally mismatched Starks and always entertaining page. Yeah, pretty much they doing it right now. So yeah, here's Will and Nightingale versus Angie and ASS, and then the Jay Cargill TH Chess celebration. The women's title division was highlighted next as Will and Nightingale battle NJSAS in a singles competition, with the latter company to score a single by taking Limo Mellow, a competitive match, saw Nightingale overcoming a game opponent fighting from underneath and delivered a set up power bump for the victory. After the match, Ruby Solo made a response to turn, attacking Mellow, leaving her lying on the ramp. The match was solid, but would benefit a better build beyond Mochi team match as saw a week ago. Now Gale's a star as JSASAS. Fortunately, the latter was still able to set up a post-match attack, right, which delayed another secondary program and neither the women actually helped involved in the content itself. So followed that content, CBS champion Kay Cargill made her way to the ring alongside baddies Red Velvet Leah Gray. She cut up non secret promo for Bow appear on a video screen, many of continue infatuation at Cargill seeing Hangman came to a screechy hole. Honestly, what the earth on this? Not a productive. Cargill looks a characteristic face at the white point. Bow Wow stuff and nothing to do with the champ or a title. I don't think it was not good at all, but it was okay. The segment was good. Like Jay Cargill is the star of the show. And honestly how uh, this payoff is Sasha Bay side with AEW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the main event, the best of three simple series, the Elite vs. Death Triangle. Well, the third is show row, the Elite versus the Death Triangle battle in a best of seven series for the AEW Trios title. The Desperate Elite attack for the open middle, settled the frantic pace on the running of the match. Vi soared in the air, wiping the opposition out on more than one occasion, while Chance forced a challenge on the defense. Omega, Nick, and Matt Jack. Zillion not only overcoming a 0 2 of the 5th and Archery series, but also managed to come back to score the win at the man as needs during a pack of Black Arrow attempt, and Nick rolls up for the 3 count. This is probably the weakest of the 3 matches of the day, but have the best storytelling in the series with narrative, the elite's aspiration to score a win, and avoid a seemingly desirable 3 0 defect. So it was partly much a non strike trio about likes of. AW is um, known as Huntley and Fine. If you like that contest, odds are you were merely entertained. If not probably for a sweep, you can stop paying attention. Honestly, you, you probably won't pay attention. But for now, the Elite remains in the fight. We're looking up to even up the series that winter is coming. So, yeah. So, all in all, Dynamite was a great show. Like, the only thing with the problem with the Cargill promo, that was kind of the issue. But it was okay, you know. It's what it is.
you know, like Jay Cargill, we're gonna get shots at Banks and and AEW in, in January, so it's worth it in the end. You know what I'm saying? Worth it. So yeah, that is my my tape on Dynamite for this week. So let's go to the Raw recap. All right, this is weird, but we're going with this new take. All right, let's start with Be- Becky Lynch kicking off the show. Saw so the bloodline minus Roman arrive in the arena. Shall begin when we went into the arena. No, I did not see Raw. I'm just I'm just reading the highlights from other sites because I don't watch Raw. I'm just getting it out of the way. Becky Lynch just came out to a huge pop from the crowd. Mostly for the highlights on YouTube, it helps me out. I just want to get this out of the way quick. She said they missed the, she missed the fans and actually went into the crowd, shake hands, give high five, contact people on choice of shirts. She talked to a few people. She talked about being ready not to have every other woman in the company. Like this brought barely to a course of booze. She contemplated on not having respect to the crowd ever she, she had done. The man was about to head to the ring to fight her, but noticed that the car, the Kai and Eo Sky coming to the ring. Mm. They fought one course destroying the merch. Send Lynch and the success of final three women for security officials broke up the fight. It was an awesome way to kick off the show. The crowd was fully invested. Everything worked exactly as attended. We are Ripley versus Mia Yim, Judgment Day versus DLC. Okay, let's go to that. The first match we saw, Mia Yim battle, Rhea Ripley also had nominated Mysterio ringside support. Locked up. Mentioned score for the current couple of takedowns. Said Nightmare out of the ring. The regroup of dumb. Ripley tried to take control. Yim kept the under hand. Even managed to avoid stretch and dominate. Took the powerhouse down by her legs and hit a few punches from Ripley while stringing together a few moves in a row. The early moments of the match had a couple of... Slow, awkward moments. The longer they went, the better they got. Yim brought Dom into the ring. We got her print, but stretching like Ripley to take her down. AJ Styles ran to the ring, took him out. They even tripped other women on the way down, caused the ref to call for the bell. The U.S. City O.C. A gentleman they ran down, bring the brawl. Styles brought my mic. Said, "If you win tonight, a four-on-four match, ref came to the ring. Eight-man tag match got in the way. You know, honestly, everyone mm-hmm. paired up, began the final on the ring. Styles." Battle ended up in the ring when Rev called for the bell. They were legal participants. The LC kept Ballard corner for a bit with double team moves. But the Prince eventually tagged in Damian Prince to take over. Mm-hmm. Both teams were able to control different portions of the match by using tactics of a quick tag to keep one man isolated. The crowd popped when Ripley and Yim were finally tagged in. Allowed to continue the fight for the earlier. The Nightmare is able to get the win. Judgment Day with Ritter and highly entertaining couple of segments. Was this a five star clinic? Honestly, no. But it wasn't. Po- it honestly, it's not gonna supposed to be. It was a lot of fun. Even though OC lost, yeah. But all comp- eight competitors came out looking this good anyway. So let's go to the Bloodline Celebration and Alpha County versus Street Profits. It's easier. The Usos, Zane, and Sakola came to the ring to celebrate their win at Survivor Series. Inside the war against K-Trans and Owen, McIntyre, the ball and Brutes. KO came out and said, you didn't understand why Zane did what he did. Can't fault him for it. He said he doesn't want to fight Zane's team with him anymore. He's just done with him. Nothing to do with him anymore. Owen said he's glad everyone finds how great Zane is. But no matter how many times he calls the bloodline family, he'll never eat a real blood relative. Jay tried to step in and they're in great. To agreeing to having a match with Owens laying the show. Not only did all the all this work well, but it helped cap that what might have been the best for first hour raw we are seeing years. The next match featuring returning Monster Ford and Dawkins on yeah, Gable Otis. It has several weeks since they like competed, but both men are looking to make a big splash with the crowd. 
Ford controlled Gay with ease. Sewers always tagged the high flat profits found some defense. Dawkins helped turn the tire back in their favor, taking out both members of a canvas saying that dies over the top rope. While Gabe always had the time to shine, the match was about putting profits back in the mix. This team's only worked well together. This is a solid performance for all involved. The Street Profits scored a win after Ford Gabe hit Gable with a massive frog splash. <clears throat> and yeah, it was okay. It was pretty good. The match was pretty I heard I I looked up was good, so it was okay. That match was probably good. I looked it up, and the Bloodline celebration I watched on YouTube. It was nice. The Bloodline is getting better, but it's a bit. It's still uh, Sami Zayn is making this shit a lot better. The Bloodline a lot better, but without Sami Zayn, I'm gonna tell you this: you get rid of Sami Zayn, the Bloodline is more stale Simone group. That's what I gotta say. Yes, that's what I say. All right, let's go to the Miz versus Dexter Loomis. Austin Theory came to the ring to celebrate the win of the U.S. title Survivor Series. Quickly joined by Seth Rollins, who were wearing that might be his ridiculous outfit of the day. He congratulated Theory, but called him a kid while doing it again on his skin. This was a short segment, didn't lead to another agreeing to a date for a rematch. And then it was accomplished, and then let us know if he was still going. It wasn't bad, but in progress, anything. The next match was an opportunity Lewis had been waiting for. He, if he could defeat the Miz, he would win himself a WWE Raw contract. It was billed that AD Ghost match was another way of saying there was no disqualification. Miz tried to get out of the match by claiming he had his injury, but Adam Pierce made a fight. Loomis, fight. Loomis took control right away, began punishing the A-lister. We returned to the break to see Loomis low-selling the Miz using a tool to squeeze his skull. Loomis hit his head to expose turnbuckle, but managed to kick out a pin. He mentioned he locked the list of train wrestling mission for the win. He's now an official member of the Raw Ross earned the money earned the money Miz owed him. This was fine, was nothing to write home about. Loomis and the Miz both me and move on. It was cool to see Loomis had a few bottle to bills to kids at Rigside though. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Now we go to the Dakota Kai versus Kedis Relay. After selling injury at the hands of damage control a few weeks, Kedis Relay returns to attempt to get little retribution against whatever attack is Dakota Kai. The match guy started with the break. Mo was showing a little pinch and pinch of screen. Mainly the sky tried to get involved, but some officials kept them away for a ring. Both of these women were skill performance, I'm gonna tell you that. They were able to put a match together that was competitive, entertaining. I honestly WWE gave them enough time so they didn't have to rush anything too, so that's good. Poison Pixie were able to store a clean win with a net break from the middle turnbuckle. That was a real good performance. The whole start is a great city. Larry getting a win. The women's tag chance have been losing a lot lately. So I don't know why what, what they're doing with the the, the AW, I mean the WWE women's tag belts. Like I'm telling Hunter, what are you doing with those belts? Are you just get just get rid of them and place them with a mid card title? Because this is getting ridiculous. If you're not gonna treat the women's tag division right, then then throw it all together, throw it away all together. I don't give a fuck no more. All right, we got the main event. Start up. Kevin Owens versus Jay Uso. Mm-hmm. All right. The final match of the night saw main event Uso take out the prize fighter Kevin Owens. Jay Sakola's brother is in with him. K was all by himself. The fight was eventually even until KO took a kick to the right and so cut the break. Jay was able to fight took control by ramming Owens' shoulder in the ring post, but KO tried to fight. Keep fighting as he could. These men know each other very well at this point. They knew they had the competition style, put on a great match. So. Both men scored near falls for the match. I ended with a chaos hit a start for the pin. He escaped for the ring for it. Rest of the bloodline could attack him. So that was the end of Raw. That's how Raw ended. And luckily, I, I watched some highlights from YouTube. I already told you what I think of Raw from the highlights on YouTube. It was okay, Raw. It was getting better. The women's submission is okay. 
But one of my issues with it was the women's tag belts. That's my problem. What is Hunter's doing with them? And that's my issue. That's what I gotta say. Yeah, next, next I'm gonna review Rampage. Then I will do SmackDown next. Okay, here comes AEW Rampage recap. Um, let's start with um, Cole Carter versus Darby Allen. Rampage open when Allen makes his entrance. Carter and the factor are ringside already. For some reason, Nick Kamara got into the ring before the match begins, so Allen beat them down with a sting signature baseball bat. Took Carter before he could get into the ring by hitting a huge suicide dive. Carter's life experience, but saw the size of power advantage in the match to take control and regain his composure. For the next seven minutes, Young Gum in the factory had a 29 year old star on the ropes. He hit a series of textbook wrestling moves and a handful of near falls and during commercial break. And Allen was able to hit a modified score with a death drop before hitting his own signature coffin drop for the win. While this match had a few moments that showed Carter's inexperience, it definitely entertaining and genetic performance for both men. Mm-hmm. That was basically it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got Party Party versus Jet Jerry and Jay Lethal. The Acclaim was supposed to have an interview with Brene Paquette, but turned to a big standoff on the stage. Gun Club came out first, but they were quickly joined by Lethal, Jet Jarrett, Shade, John J. Dudd, and Sam Singh. Billy Gunn said they want to face the best, and this brought Frontier with a three sets of tag titles that have a standoff with the AEW Tag Team Champions. He'll cancel the look at if we get the next shot at the AEW Tag Titles. So that's next week on Dynamite. Yeah. The for final battle, so yeah. So Lethal Jarrett stuck around for the match against Private Party. Mike Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy had Matt Hardy on his side for support. Double J Lethal controlled the pace against Cassidy for a little while. It didn't take long before Quinn came in for some trademark double team offense. This match unfolded the way you expected. Lethal and Jerry used some dirty tactics and their veteran to control most of the action. But Private Party kept finding a way to stay in the fight. It some fun move, but this match felt random. Quinn stand out the most for with high fly tactics, but he was the one who ended up being pinned by Lethal in the end. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, y'all, yeah. At the end versus Danny Moe. Dina took on Danny Moe in third match of the night. She dominated Moe with some eye-pack moves right away. We did the pin, but she got in the rest face. She quickly hit her finisher for the win. Wasn't quite done with her opponent. She picked her up and dumped her out of the ring. But from a storytelling standpoint, this worked. It made Dina look like a rootless competitor who doesn't care who she had to hurt to get ahead when it comes to the content of the match. It was a basic squash when they did look good, didn't do much. So yeah, this was basically a squash match for Athena. <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty what much. So yeah. Mm, okay. Orange Cassidy versus QT Marshall for the All-Atlantic Championship. The main event of the night was a lumberjack match between Cassidy and Marshall for the All-Atlantic Championship. Both men had their respective stables part of lumberjacks, but several other AW stars were around the ring too. The leader of the factory uses superior technical ability to control the pace, but when 18 Page told Hardy to attack Cassie after that, he was thrown out of the ring. Hardy refused to just help them back, help them back into the ring. The Lumberjack matches um, came, can often be distracted because so much on the ring side, but he was on one of these times. The fight in the ring was definitely the main story. A couple of different fights taking place among the Lumberjacks too. Pelvic before showed up to the pavement to distract Cassie so Kiss Samick could push him up. Top rope to a diamond cutter. OC kicked out. His finish to win to retain his title. Had a smile on his face despite his attack. Attack failing to cost Cassie the match. Mm -hmm. 
freshly squeezed over out of the ring onto Sabian, but the foreman in the box easily took him down and beat him on the top of the ramp. So, the lights went out and came back and reeled the blouse of black in the ring. Ready to attack anyone who jumped out to be there too. This was a decent main event. There was about a package in the one segment. The house of black ended the show by beating up everyone that could get in their hands on a good way to go out. So yeah, this was a good rampage. It, it was not to be talked about, but it was still a good rampage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, here's SmackDown recap. Sheamus versus Saint Sami Zayn. Sheamus and the Brawn Brutes hit the rain for the night opening contest between Celtic Warrior and the honorary Uso Brawn Brutes celebration promo between Badline Sami Zayn and Uso Solo Sokola. Mm-hmm. It was a competitive match between the two with Sheamus seeking revenge for a disappointing conclusion of the War Games main event. In which the bloodline reigns supreme thanks in large part to contributions to Zayn. He would face similar disappointment on Friday as Zayn benefited from interference from pro attorney friend Jay Uso to roll up Seamus for the pitfall victory. The match was very good, which is no surprise given those involved, but it was really built to the finish. The fact that Uso helped Honorary Uso secure the win for the idea of the issue between them had been decided. Uso finally set the Zayn fan matter of the bloodline retreated here. It will be interesting in the relationship again that Jay was right the whole time how great I told you so be he proves for me the case. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright, Bray White cuts the promo. Then Emma versus Shayna Blazer. Emma versus Shayna Blazer. Bray White cut a promo backstage. His tone, demeanor, and John Science still claim was not the one who attacked LA Knight backstage. So yeah, that was his promo they said about. Back in the arena, the submission magician Sam Blazer made a ring to the ring for a match against Emma with best friend Ronda Rousey conspicuous in her absence. She did against Rousey in the first match back. Emma put up Emma fight, but match miscalculation saw Blazer cut off the top rope, bring her back to the mat, applied the curve for the clutch for the submission win. After the match, shots hit the ring, made the save for Aussie. Blazer cut her off on the knee to the face. Rico Rodriguez was next to take the save, staring the heel down while nursing arm injury, suffered the heads of Baszler and Rousey League ago. She looked like a total badass, he tapped Emma out and then flattened Saucy out of the back down when number game tango great. Unfortunately, two members on the Bay Face lost the look that they were I'm already beaten down and needed their person to help them out. And the story of the last two months of uh, which remain one of the weak points of the religious career efforts thus far. Mm-hmm. Dibbers is Gunther, probably a basket competition on this wherever can consider a non-title match. When it appeared, in general, parents had teammates, Vinicianti and Ludwig Kaiser, Ludwig Kaiser, Kaiser influenced the outcome. Braun Strowman made his presence. I felt chasing the lackeys from ringside. Sharon Gunther will secure his victory fairly. He just did that. Break out his new finisher, the last 70 that day after Kingston kicked out his trademark powerbomb. This was another competitive match made a string of tonight. The Kingston looking mildly impressive despite having no real shot and knocking up the Australian heel. Gunther broke out another fresh to go along with Powerbomb Splash. Larry is a game changer that makes him more dangerous. Mm-hmm. More dangerous. 
Of course, the real story is the continued reparation all things are repaired by Strowman, who cannot help, and he's not the number one contender shine Gunther's end game. The story essentially overshadowing the work finals will occur later in the broadcast. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's going to be Gunther versus mm. Braun Strowman. That's what I see going on forward. Mm. Here's Damage Control promo. Bailey, mm. women's tag champion, Kota Kai, Yo Sky hit the ring for a promo. The former took exception with being in Buffalo so we got the survivors to discuss the need for damage control to restore class to the blue branch so no one would step up. This brought the Morgan Founcer on the team and a 3-on-1 beatdown for Tegan Knox made a return to WWE attempt to save. The numbers against Brewery oppressive but Morgan achieved a tender stick, wore out heels and a time for to deliver the Chinese wizard to Bailey. The Buffalo fans did not do Fox any favors with their son Drew reaction. They have been an issue all night long, but returns one of the best of Triple H regime so far. Battling knee injuries and NXT United's creative plans on main roster competitors, Chinese Wizard and never been a change to establish their legacy in WWE. Titans representation mm-hmm. first step and second chance in making her mark. Booking her alongside or, or over American against the mm-hmm. MVP of the women's Bailey, not to mention long time. Friend Kai and the Great Sky is a fantastic decision. It should benefit our speculation in the coming weeks and months. Mm-hmm. We got the SmackDown World Cup Finals, Ricochet versus Santos Escobar. The finals of the SmackDown World Cup came to Ricochet as Santos Escobar. He was finally forced to go along early on after the officials called the Jiggle Phantasm teammates interfering. Where shoot from there was a premium live event worth a counter as Ricochet squared toward the house down with a pair of ordinary performances that should have been elevating them in the eyes of fans. Escobar finally looked like the star, looked like the star of, um, star. Okay, Escobar finally looked like the star and the championship contender that he was seeing was allowed to showcase ability as an in-ring worker went out. Show incest interference on his cards. Meanwhile, Ricochet continued sneaky good 2022 with another inspired effort payoff with a top rope posing around a series of kicks. 3630 spider for the win. This was a great main event that was worth the recap going out of your way to see. It was a perfect cap to the broadcast. More importantly, it was a setup show closing to stare down between Shay and Gunther would help put over the December 16th showdown for the letters in a Continental champ in a Continental Championship. So, yeah, mostly that is going to be the plan. The Intercontinental Champion, Walter versus, I mean, Gunther versus Ricochet at SmackDown December 16. I don't know. Yeah, I probably won't watch SmackDown because, yeah, I'm just recapping and reviewing it from other sites. So. But I did watch Rampage. That's definite. So, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, um, yeah, um. Yeah, this is all. This is the Ollie Pot, the AEW. I mean, this is the Gusto Ollie podcast. I'll see y'all next Saturday for another podcast from Augusto. See you later. Bye. Now the recaps are done. Let's get to the news stories. Mm-hmm. Report a correction on Regal Regal's AEW contract details. Let's get to that. Mossy might have been not rewritten as Lordship Regal for some time. Regal is the return of Mossy. I take it side NJF. Moxley addresses in an ring pro Regal on his past Wednesday Dynamite when he told Regal to run away and never come back. Lead to speculation on some former NXT general magic. Mr. 
who would be returning to the newly restructured WWE, held by Triple H, had been said a real only had to sign a one-year deal with AEW. In a recently clarified tweet by Rivera's servers, Dave Meltzer, he stated a real initial deal was this sign with AEW spring of last year was for three years rather than previously reported recently. They must from so he said. A question from last night's show regarding Regal's deal. Based on what I said, he said, sign his deal last, last spring was for three years. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Regal turned on Moxley and made it full gear. When he saw that the Brock Nichols and MJF had disrupted Moxley to check on the referee. MJF scouts were behind AEW Dynamite this Wednesday. Yeah, so basically. Yeah, that was this week's Dynamite from the recap I told about, so you already know the news. Mm -hmm. So let's go. We got the two-day WWE trial set for Image Academy. WWE is set to host a two-day trial camp in the search for new future stars. It was reported by Justin Barroso of Sports Illustrated that WWE will offer a two-day trial academy on Wednesday, November 30th, Thursday, December 1st. There are 30 to 35 individuals attending scheduled for the event. Several current WWE star attendants for trials, including Biggie and some talent for NXT brand. James Kimball, WWE head of talent operations strategies. We spoke recently on WWE philosophy on bringing in new talent. This from Kimball. There are countless examples of top talent that came into the business by the college sports, but it not been a system built out. That's when we're trying to create a two talent development pathway to WWE for college athletes. Pride WWE trials were held during WrestleMania and SummerSlam weekends on a grander stage. This is what Kimball said. We want a clear calendar moving forward. We're going to emulate what we're doing in 2022. We're important as a career schedule as a college athlete. There's so many options for us on that the system is in place that the pathway WWE is well known. So our sources are allocated to build a new pathway to collegiate sports. We're just scratching the surface. We've been working this for years. It's going to take years, but we're growing. We're adding quality depth and work as a star with college athletes nationwide. So WWE's official signed 33 individuals to develop a contract tracks and the pro WrestleMania SummerSlam tryouts. So yeah, pretty much the news for WWE tryouts. Mm -hmm. Now here's another news news story. Reportedly, no guarantee that Regal will head stay in AEW or heading to WWE. So the rumors killed surround Regal's future have been picked up a lot over the past week or so. Regal has been more welcome addition in AEW ranks, loved by fans, by co-workers. There's been nothing but positive things said about. From, coming from AEW, he's been playing the role of manager, coach, and forming on the Black Gold Combat Club recently at Full Gear. It took place earlier this month. Last month, like, we're in December. This this weekend is December, so yeah. Regal turned on Black Gold Combat Club member and Mosley. Regal sided with Mosley's world champ, title contender champion, JVF, slaying some brass knuckles as Mosley and the referee were trapped and JF, of course, used to his advantage and won the AEW world title. Last Wednesday on, on Dynamite, Moxley and Regal were involved in a very test in the ring. Same when Moxley told Regal to run away and never come back. So he never wants to see his face here again. After the segment, some fans started to speculate where or not this was generally for real on WWE And he might be heading back to WWE. The WWE Regal rumors have picked up since Triple H got over WWE. And you are known to be good friends that work well together. And an update from Meltzer Observer Radio reserved in no guarantee that anything comes moment. So Meltzer said, Real we signed, which was only April and May, then signed for three years. Now something I'm not sure how this details have been told last time. Most of it is off the record. But basically, just that the situation, I don't know what he's doing for so I'm going for WWE saying. But I know it's something that's been talked about either. It's something that's a three year deal. Probably not in 
earlier for a foreign, I mean, he will never will, but nothing will situation. But there were people that were talking about what is that not about what is this? I don't understand. In the way he's doing, the rumors for now, even for Wednesday show. But then on, on Wednesday Dynamite show this week was just an angle, but it been talking about it from the early on, so we don't know. So the fact they said he was signed for three years, that doesn't mean I'm saying that some people are there, oh, that means he's not leaving, there's no story, there's something going on. But there's no guarantee he's leaving, there's no guarantee he's staying, there's no guarantee he's staying. As long as it all works, as far as contract situation with Tony Khan, everything like that, I'm not aware of that. But I do know there's something in play by saying his contract three years, so Derry would tell you he couldn't do anything until April 2025. That's basically what I know. But I can say put it that way. Mm-hmm. Considering Rio is under a three-year contract, some sort of agreement with Tony Khan will have to be made for Rio to have a chance of getting out of his contract. That's something to play. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Impact Wrestling announced a streaming deal with Danzen and the Sports Entertainment. Danzen announced an international multi-year distribution partnership for Impact Wrestling. Impact's interested pay-per-view events program to be televised by Danzen more than 130 countries beginning November 29th. The multi-year agreement with Danzen will get Danzen viewers in 170-plus countries, including UK, Ireland, Switzerland, Australia, Austria, France, Poland, Spain, Italy, the Netherlands, Jazan, Pan, Brazil, the best scene in the house, the Impact Wrestling Week, the Impact Flagship Series, home to the 100-hour character, high stakes matchup, blockbuster drama. Additionally, Danzen and viewers will have access to Impact on the high-obtained big-review events, premium Impact Plus live event specials, Sons of Slatov, to Danzen platform. So yeah, like Danzen and Impact made a deal, so so what? That's what it is. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. CM Punk reports still under AW country while waiting to move on. Since the backstage allocation following AW fall allows September 4, many people have wondered what the contract status of the punk is. The elite who are involved in the brawl is suspended, have recently made a return to the company. While nothing has been announced regarding CM Punk's future, it's been numerous rumors attempting to clear of the situation, including the claim that AW looking to buy out con- Punk's contract. But Meltzer now reports over a newsletter Punk is currently signed a contract, but no release have yet. Due to hold up and talks, so this one Nelser Punk as a weekend is still in the contract. AEW being paid those close to him say hold up on his being released all on AEW side to and willing to move on to his project. It's unclear what's holding the situation. MMA fan we saw Punk on commentary and Cage Fury shows the event, which is the first time his appearance since AEW suspension where he didn't shine with drink about the situation. Yeah, so Punk mm, yeah, Punk yeah, Punk fucked up. We don't know who's who's causing the problem, but anyway, let's go on again. More on the backstage situation between Roman Reigns and Camarosa Survivor Series. This week's report that last weekend's Survivor Series saw Roman Reigns taking issue with certain spot in men's war games men. The sequence saw a slap on Cohen's that didn't court a plan. In addition to Women's Over Newsletter, Meltzer gave some insight on the surgery and backstage confrontation that followed the match. There was a backstage controversy at the show during the men's war games. Owen slapped Reigns, shot Lane and Hart. Reigns had a big bruise vibrated from the left eye under on the left eye. There were unconformed reports. Left eardrum was ruptured. There were definitely left eardrum injury. Mm-hmm. Reigns is furious and backstage as it went off with Owens and swearing and such and the resources. Reigns is mad, both because 
of injury, but also it was a smart move up. That would make sense to do in a match. Yeah. At the confrontation, Rowan pulled out of the planned appearance of the postcard reference, but it's not clear what the reason was. Rain was not present because the battle appeared on a edition of Raw. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's there. Okay, okay, now thoughts behind the scenes of the Raw return to Rumble 2023. It's been like, mm -hmm. it's been weird for some of you in WWE, which is eventually doing Roman Reigns versus the Raw WrestleMania. Now, as often the case with someone trying to do the WrestleMania, it's hard to work during Johnson's Hollywood commitments. For example, during Johnson's last Brock Buster match in WWE against John Cena, he suffered with Hamburg, the shooting process of Hercules in 2012. Roman atop his game. Coming right now, Bloodline, a group built around Reigns being ahead of bringing The Rock to challenge Reigns' leadership, has never made more sense. There's always been a question of how we get there. Most have written in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, the idea of Rock winning the 23 Rumble around backstage. The idea is talked about being in I to see the best we could tell. Rumors consist when the company is far there's no real answer. If Johnson wanted to do it, it can be sold on the idea. It would be the most perfect scenario for the company. The only thing we're told is so the violation of the plans for wrestling main event please be locked by mid January where involvement should do at time do like the finals by the day. Originally the belief that the schedule allowed it, John's would like the last match of main you range number. So yeah, Meltzer also added the Rock Wines match but once in LA. There's been tossed about it from Meltzer. It's been talked about for years when Johnson wanted it in LA, Andre they could do it. They were talking regardless of Dallas last year, but Johnson wanted more interest in LA. Los Angeles they went with Brock. So, the idea of Reigns with Brock Rock has been always been on the Dream matches with certain people catch the casual viewers. There are many options who can face Reigns and WrestleMania, but perhaps not time to pull up the trigger on the match with the great one. So, yeah. So, basically, we might see Rock versus Reigns this year's, like, next year's 2023 WrestleMania, or, or it could be another WrestleMania. We don't know. So, the Dream match is going to somehow happen. Rock versus Roman Reigns. Honestly, <laughs> I don't care. I'm just gonna say it. I don't care what will happen. Wrestling is wrestling. If the culture it is what it is, you know. And that's that's for the news stories I could come up with. I could list again next next a couple more news stories. Apparently, we got an update. Apparently, this been confirmed by Tony Khan. That Sasha, that I mean Mercedes, aka formerly Sasha Banks, will be coming to AEW in January 2023. We don't know how it would happen. I've been having talks with Tony Khan for a bit. He's been telling me that Mercedes, formerly Sasha Banks, is going to be facing Jargell for the TBS Championship, and and she will, and and Mercedes Sasha Banks will be introduced by Bow Wow. So. There's something to it. So, yeah. I trust Tony Khan's decision. And I believe it's the truth. Believe in Tony Khan. You know? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Also, okay. Apparently, there's rumors that there was footage archived. Like, like a security footage of Triple H receiving a blowjob from Liv Morgan. We don't know where the, that footage came from. But there was sources claimed from PW Insider. That Triple H was secretly getting a blowjob while while doing paperwork, and Liz Sky was the was the woman he was the woman that was blowing Triple H. 
We don't know what happened, but all we know is Triple H said the words were threats, and then he took, and there was confirmation that Karen was removed by Triple H to cover it up. So there may be some pro- trouble in paradise in Triple H and Stephanie's marriage. It might predict it shows that Triple H has abuse power. He is sexualizing women. He is a pervert. He used to join Vince and lead WWE. He's a horrible man. That's my opinion on the whole Triple H game blowjob by Liv Morgan. That's my opinion on it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. One more news story. This is quite big. Stephanie Mann is reportedly just having a discussion of having her father, her, 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 her dad's baby. This, this is crazy. But there were rumors speculating right now within Twitter, Facebook, and stuff. The Stephanie man is having a discussion of letting her father get her knocked up. I don't know what's going on with Stephanie. She has gone crazy. Vince is an old pervert. He may have crossed the line. Stephanie man is into that shit. And we don't know if she does want the baby or not. This is something. This is crazy. So, yeah. This is from PW Insider and some Facebook news from the dirt sheets. They are telling the truth. Shit, Stephanie's gonna, gonna get her knocked up by her father. That's the insane shit. That, and here's what I thought on this. You know, it's bad enough Vince being some sex pest, but now Stephanie wants to get involved and get knocked up. That's her choice, but her father, that's a sick. You know, honestly, I don't know what's going on with this company. Things need to change. Can't ban Vince from WWE. Don't ever mention Vince McMahon within WWE. That's my fucking opinion on this whole situation. That's all for the news stories. This is all Gus Ali Podcast. I'll see y'all next Saturday. And it'll be the same thing as usual. Bye. And later days.